Hey, it is City on the Edge. I'm Ty Bannerman. And this week we are continuing our investigation of the wild, wacky, and weird world of New Mexico cults with with Mike Smith's report on the Aggressive Christianity Training Corps, a peculiar group that skulked around both western and central New Mexico for several years in the uh, in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Here's Mike. You know, one of the, the groups that's really interested me the most is this group called the Aggressive, Aggressive Christianity Missionary Training Corps, or Free Love Ministries. Yes, And is. they had a couple of different sites here in New Mexico, in Burino and in in the and in uh fence lake up reno's down by las cruces and fence lake is up by gallup and uh i wrote a little uh, piece about it back when i wrote this my strange new mexico column that was in the daily lobo like 15 years ago when i was an undergrad and um i don't know should i read these or you, you, you want me to spring them out okay yeah so, um, you know you maybe yeah. one and yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. Yeah, here, here's the first half. Um, uh, the Aggressive Christianity Missionary Training Corps. About 19 miles south of Las Cruces, near the southern edge of the state, lies the mostly flat, wide sky desert town of Brino. There, cotton fields sprawl into the distance from the edges of dirt and gravel roads. The cars of Interstate 10 and the waters of the Rio Grande border the east and the west, and an old red brick school building with a bizarre history slumps besides the railroad track. In 1993, that little schoolhouse became the compound of a semi-obscure fundamentalist sect known as the Aggressive Christianity Missionary Training Corps. Wearing military-style uniforms and awarding rank to members of the group based on their dedication, the group considered themselves a spiritual army, preparing the world for an apocalyptic war against the evils of society, against rock and roll, homosexuality, television, psychoanalysis, medication, karate, and more. In 1979, James and Deborah Green entered the prayer closet and God was there, wrote the group in a brief introduction to his history. Speaking to them prophetically, he made it clear that he was raising up an army, his spirit army. True, there had been other armies claiming the Lord's name, but this was something new. Yes, God is raising up his army, an army of fearless, obedient disciples, the army that sheds no blood. This is how the aggressive division came to be. By 1983, the group's founders, husband and wife, Jim and Deborah Green, two former 1960s era hippies, established a communal compound of four barracks style buildings in Sacramento, California, named it Fort Freedom and named themselves Free Love Ministries. Starting out as an extreme but orthodox Christian ministry, by 1984, the group had amassed approximately 50 followers, a body of increasingly unconventional doctrine and a great deal of unwanted attention. Parents noted major personality changes in their adult children who had joined the group. Christian watch, watchdog organizations documented the group's cult-like encouragement for members to sever all connections with family and friends. And the local radio station, KFIA, dropped the group's daily radio show due to the Greens' almost rabid preoccupation with demons. Basically, what Jim Green was saying was that any particular problem was controlled by a demon, KFIA station manager Tom Wallace said in a September 25th, 1984 Sacramento Bee article. Colds were caused by a cold demon. If you needed deliverance, you just had to attend a Jim Green service. Early on, the group obtained much of its funding from the profits of three Sacramento area print and frame shops owned by one of its members, stores in which employees were instructed to censor all images of frogs, owls, and unicorns due to these creatures' supposedly satanic traits. What? Rock and roll music was decried, wrote Donna Cossey in Kooks, A Guide to the Outer Limits of Human Belief, because the group believed that covens of witches were placing spells intended to 
to demonically possess everyone who listened to many popular songs. Lila Green declared herself to be God's number one prophet, and she and her husband began publishing her alleged revelations in a globally distributed output of zine-style pamphlets and newsletters. In the July 1984 issue of one such newsletter, The Battle Cry, she even wrote out a recipe that she said God had given her for Bible Bible. Although the devil tormented me, I obeyed the Lord, and the results were delicious, nutritious, and kept very well under condition, conditions of extreme heat and humidity, Green wrote. The Lord told me these travel bars were an excellent item to carry when traveling. Travel bars, okay. Yeah. As the group's, belief, group's beliefs and behaviors grew more radical, darker and more alarming stories came to light as well. In 1985, neighbors of the group reported to the sheriff that sects, sect num members had been engaging in militaristic war games in the desert using real weapons, though these charges were never proven. Over the years, the group sent missionary soldiers all around the world. And in 1987, they found themselves in legal trouble when one missionary died of malaria in Malawi, Africa, and the group made it difficult for, difficult for his family to recover his body. And then in 1988, Sacramento woman Mara Schmier filed suit against the group, claiming that Free Love Ministries had kept her virtually imprisoned in a backyard shed for six months for the crime of spiritual adultery for loving her family more than God. During that time, she claimed the group, then consisting of about 25 members, forced her to wear a black scarf and a sackcloth dress, changed her name to Forsaken, and forbade her from making eye contact with her children. Shmira said they even pressured her into divorcing her husband and signing over custody of her kids. She claimed that the group accused her occasionally misbehaving five-year-old son of being possessed and changed his name to Demon. One second. What kid, what? Are you, are you kids leaving? Okay, bye, I love you. Okay, thanks. Hi, sorry, Jack. It's a demon. Um, yeah, okay, demons. Okay, where are we? Um, change the name to demon. In July of 1987, Jim Green ordered Schmierer out of the compound, but without her four children. And it was not until three months later, could open the door if you want, uh, that a court order returned the two youngest to her. When the group refused to show up to trial, the court awarded Schmierer $1.2 million. And as a result of their failure to pay, the government seized the group's art stores and property. Most of the sect fled to the town of Cool in Northern California and then to Klamath Falls, Oregon before ending up in 1993 where so much of this world's strangeness often does, New Mexico. In the former Burino schoolhouse, the group renamed themselves the Aggressive Christianity, Christianity Missionary Training Corps and generally tried to keep a low profile. By that time, Lila Green had changed her name to Deborah and both she and her husband had taken the title of Brigadier General. The group's remaining 10 or 12 members kept mostly to themselves, according to a June 26, 1995 El Paso Times piece, spending much of their time in frenzied meetings in which members spoke in tongues and rolled around on the ground. Members were also sometimes spotted in their all-black uniforms and berets, selling homemade bread in the nearby cities of Juarez, Mexico, El Paso, Texas, and Las Cruces, New Mexico. Many Barino residents considered the group to be good citizens who just liked to keep to themselves, but many others were openly relieved when the sect eventually outgrew their compound and moved away. They moved, but they didn't exactly leave. When the group outgrew its little Barino compound, many of its members relocated closer to Albuquerque in Cibola County in the northwestern part of the state. There in the little community of Fence Lake, population 187, they established the intensely private Shinra-Na Holy Tribal Nation, from which they continued to bake bread to sell in Albuquerque and Santa Fe raise crops and garden and produce and mail out thousands of miracle prayer cloths, religious audio programs and newsletters. In February of 2000, the group ran into trouble with the law when a woman named El Falan, El Falan, accused certain group members of sexually abusing and even purposefully burning some of the members' children. 
charges may have been completely unfounded as the February 16th, 2000 Albuquerque Journal reported that Phelan was a transient who had previously made untrustworthy accusations about other individuals, but the group's response of sending all their children on a field trip to an undisclosed location in Arizona, combined with other accusations made in the past, did raise some suspicions. The group made headlines again in November of 2005 when internal group politics spilled over into the public. General Jim Green claimed he suggested that the group make some reforms, including allowing former members to return and re-enlist, permitting non-member families to visit their children. Those reforms divided his followers and angered his own wife, who claimed the Green wanted her dead, reported Albuquerque's KOB TV that November 2nd. Following these disputes, police arrested Jim Green on charges of assault when he allegedly attacked two dissenting members with a homemade scythe after purportedly telling the two members and his wife that they needed to take a walk with him to be murdered. Green's violence was reciprocated though when the two men struck back with walking sticks, beating Green about the head until an armed sheriff intervened and drove Green to a hospital to re receive 40 staples of the scalp. Jim Green denied wanting to murder his wife and was soon bailed out by a group member. His wife, Deborah Green, quickly retracted her claim that her husband had threatened to murder her. She revised or clarified their story to say that Jim Green had merely struck one of the men to make him leave the Green's house and the generals announced in the Gallup Independent that they were trying to tone things down. This, that, however, will very likely always be a challenge for this group. Well, I mean, do you have like the information on what's happened like since then? Yeah. Well, they're mostly in prison now. I looked them up the other day and I mean, I used to run into them all the time. I got to know a bunch of the group members. I'd even talked to Deborah. Like? Well, when I first like wrote the first articles that I wrote about this, I would, um, I would call Deborah Green up and just, I would have like lots of long conversations with her. And like, we, I would email with her and stuff. And I mean, the pictures of this group are like, they're like in military costumes and stuff. Oh, yeah. pretty, pretty ridiculous. I went down to their compound a couple of times in Brino, but nobody ever let me in. I tried to interview neighbors about it. I could never see anybody around there. It was this big brick building and it had a, the only signs I could find, there were like some little quotes about like spiritual warfare or something like that in stickers or like little pieces of paper in the window right. at the front area. And the neighbor said, oh, they're nice. They helped us fix our roof one time or something like that. Well, and then I would see, oh, and then just for years after I would see them uh, selling bread outside of post offices or Walgreens or libraries or something here in Albuquerque or at the intersection of San Mateo and um, uh, like, where was that? Like Manalish area, they would be, have signs, not quite as bad as like Westboro Baptist Church, but definitely like hellfire is coming for everybody but us. In one, in one of the versions that I read of this group's like end times theology, it sounded like they're planning to do battle with literally everybody. So I think they were, you yeah. know, <laughs> like- <laughs> So are they not longer? Well, no, because um, uh, so Deborah Green's in prison for 72 years for child rape. So, um, yeah. Um, that'll shut that down. Yeah. That, oh, well, uh, actually, Peter Green is in for, see, he was, he was charged with 100 counts of criminal sexual penetration of a child. His, uh, his wife, Deborah Green, um, is in jail basically for allowing it to happen, um, as well as some uh, criminal sexual penetration counts of her own. So yeah, there was a big raid just a few years ago where they, uh, they, they took them down um, and, uh, and they're both in, uh, in jail now. 
Yeah, so I'm glad I never bought their stupid bread. I um, I, to, uh, I think it was probably Peter Green with the big white mm. beard from time to time near near Manny's in the parking lot. Oh, Manny's, and he oh would. Oh my gosh. He would uh, offer the bread. He had the bread, and one time I like asked him, "Oh, okay. Well, how much is this little loaf of bread?" He's like, "It's ten dollars," which and it was you know 1995 or something, which. Ten dollars was even more for a right. loaf of right. bread than it is now. And I was like, "That's made of gold. expensive. It seems yeah. really expensive." And uh, he just got like he just he was so intense, and he just like got super like kind of kind of stiff, and he just looked at me and he said, "It's really good bread," like that. It's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, not today, thank you. So I didn't, I didn't buy it. And now I'm glad, but I used to get the uh, the um, pamphlets that they had about demons on television and, and so forth. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they sent me a big bundle of literature once and some of it was amazing. There was, when I used to write for Local IQ, I loaned it all to the editor there and I never got any of it back, but I had this amazing bundle of their lit. And one of it was a newsletter about this deer that came into camp and they were convinced it was the Holy Spirit. And there were all these photos of like, the Holy Spirit's visiting the camp. <laughs> yeah. So what what took them down was a uh, a Ugandan child was kidnapped by them from from Uganda. Oh my god! And was abused and mistreated by them for for years. It's very like harrowing uh, testimony about it. Um, so they were able to to rescue this child. And uh, when they did, they raided the compound. They found 11 other children, including oh. some as young as four who were being held against their will by the group. Man. So That's this so was, uh, when did this happen? This was 2018 is when, um, when Deborah Green was, uh, was sentenced. Mm. So wow. yeah, they were- I feel like I vaguely remember this happening, but not, yeah, there no. were news stories going around. Yeah, uh, they only got worse. Is is really, um, you know, you know, seeing them around, it's like you know, these guys are bad news. And that one interaction right. I had with uh, with Peter Green was definitely like made me never want to buy any bread from him. I never knew you had that interaction. That's so interesting. Oh yeah, uh, no, and I hated uh, them so much after that. Like I would see them around, <laughs> like, I'm not talking to that guy. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, you know, so it's like, you know, these people are bad news, but you don't yeah. think too much yeah. about it. And then you get their pamphlet, right. it's demons on TV, and you're like, these guys are weird. And it's so much worse than you could have imagined about them. Oh, it goes on and on. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff about them. Um, the uh, I remember they used to sell pictures of wolves, too. And one of the guys that was selling it was like, wolves are monogamous. They're really, they have a lot to teach us wow they're, they're, the intersections of these different worlds like people who are into wolves, astrology you know and sort of nature's great yeah right yeah nature is great a little like, um militant christianity and... yeah well i guess yeah. if you're a cult and you go to new mexico you just gain an appreciation for nature because it's a beautiful state and uh, yeah. you can't help it um, um they were the scythe thing was kind of funny i mean at least uh yeah, it was yeah. an interesting choice of weapon i'll give them yeah. that they'll give they get some points for that 
picturesque. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When's the last time yeah. good old-fashioned scything? Right. There's also this great quote in that Donna Cossie book, Kooks. I don't have that book, but I have this other book that's her like alternate fringe theories against theory mm. of evolution, like from ancient apes to ancient astronauts to aquatic apes. <laughs> I don't love this book, but but Kooks is really interesting, even though the tone is so dismissive and flippant. But she tells this story about uh, Peter Green, where he's like trying to give himself like cool pre-Christian cred. You know, a lot of these like groups, they like to tell about how evil they were, like go all St. Augustine about like before. Yeah. So bad. It was so wretched. And um, he was all, I used to run around on the hills like a beast with a knife in my teeth, shouting, kill, kill, kill. I'm like, I don't know that you made yourself like a relatable sinner with that story. You, sound like... <laughs> you don't believe them. I actually believe them. I do believe that. Yeah, I believe it. That, that does seem like something he probably would have done. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> not the um, kind of thing that's gonna make the kids like, like uh, think you're a think you're a peer who's gone, yeah. you know, gone on a better path. Yeah, I had when I was doing a political canvassing job. That was the last time I ran into one of them, and it was someone who was she was selling like jars of honey and bread outside of a Walgreens, and I started talking with her, and I she was like, it became apparent that this they were like not feeding her like she was she looked like she was starving or something so like uh i had just bought some food and so we shared food and like talked and hung out for a little while and afterwards she told me that like the lord had sent her and i should join their group and stuff but um but i like <laughs> you know but like you can see these are human beings there are people that have been deceived you know and like mm -hmm. and uh you know it's cult literature is a really it's a hard thing to like try to understand because so much of it is so sensational like honestly like yeah but yeah, they were a really, really uh, interesting group. I don't know. I mean, culture that like, I don't know. I, I guess I appreciate serious people that like really do care about truth and like finding out all that stuff. And I think, sure. but I think serious people really fall prey to this kind of stuff unless they have critical thinking skills or like some way to weigh the information, you know? I mean, a yeah. lot of people, if you don't have those basic skills, it's just like, well, what, are the, what do most of the opinions say? I guess that's the right one, you know? Yeah like QAnon right yeah, yeah that's yeah. Yeah. right yeah, don't don't trust the lying media right trust some guy who's posting right. nonsense on reddit right. like that's who you trust right instead yeah. of the media that that you know at the very least in most cases you can you can track down sources you can yeah. see where a story comes from even if it's maybe maybe you have reason to suspect that it's not exactly the whole truth but at least like you can you can follow it yeah, you can sure. see where it's coming from some yeah. goon posting about q or posting as q on what was it 4chan or 8chan or right, right. yeah yeah like that's <laughs> that's not the way to go you don't want like a less transparent source right <laughs> right well said yeah, yeah. All right, well, shall we wrap it up? Sounds good.